this is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton Our Way. Straight, Straight from, from the, the street, street end. end. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr Johnny Seven here as always. I'm waving currently via the magic of Skype to Mr Mark Mack over there. Yeah, hello, uh, back again. Uh, I'm a happy bunny. I don't, neither of us are happy bunnies. I don't think any Evertonians are. Yeah, I think you're hard-pressed today to find any Evertonian with any positivity. Although, saying that, there has been one or two uh, knocking around in the world of Facebook, etc. Um, but yeah, it's been a grim day today. Um, I've even had to concede all banter rights with any red shite that have said anything to me because I just haven't got a comeback at the minute there is no comeback is there I mean there's just nothing and to rub salt in the wounds we probably should have, could have left this later but both of us received our season ticket renewal forms today talk about yeah. timing yeah I came home to work with a, a nice envelope that says we are chosen all over it um, and sort of raised a bemused smile with me uh, over there and it's sitting right in front of me now and uh, you know probably the right thing to do is some sort of dirty protest and not sign it but we both know we will so pointless yeah I've not even opened mine because I think the cheeky bastards <laughs> sending that after this past couple of weeks just hold off on it well it costs less if we're in the championship I don't know. I don't know. The prices are up, aren't they? You can't reduce them once people have committed to it. So the prices are set, so we're paying the same price we would to play Man United as we would against Bournemouth. I guess so. Better bloody win some games between now and the end of the season, then, aren't we? Yeah, so uh, the reason we're not... Well, I mean, we're not happy anyway, but the reason we're not particularly happy are today of all days, is because we're recording on Thursday, the 5th of March. We were, went away to Stoke last night. Not us, Everton. I mean, we, we couldn't go because of work. But um, let's just say it wasn't the best performance. Yeah, when you're in a relegation dogfight, the last place you want to go is Stoke on a cold, windy Wednesday night. As, you know, all those memes and... Those you know sayings about Leo Messi they always go along. Could he do it on a cold, windy night in Stoke? And uh, Everton certainly could not do it on a cold, windy Wednesday night in Stoke. There was a uh, talk all the while, all week about going with two wingers again. And let's let's just go back to the Arsenal game first. First of all, and there was a lot of fume after the Arsenal game because we thought we'd turn the corner again. Blah blah blah. Europa, great performance. Then the Arsenal game. I've got to say, I wasn't that upset after the Arsenal game because I, I think we had it coming. Let's face it, anything we would have got there from there would have been a bonus. Um, we could have gone about things a little bit better, but it, you know it's Arsenal away. Yeah, but you know we haven't done that badly. We've had some decent performances down at Arsenal over the years and. I wasn't particularly fuming about getting beat. Uh, I was fuming about uh, Mr. Martinez coming out again, saying it was a good performance and saying it was like things to take away from it. But I think we'll touch more on Martinez' feelings a little bit after recapping the games. Yeah, 
Um, I think it, it came at a poor time. It had poor timing on that game. I think we could have done with like a little, a nice little easy one rather than going straight to Arsenal after a good performance. So we could try and build a run together. But you know, arguably, no, we've got no easy games now. So. No, no, I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about people thinking that, you know, we'll be okay, we'll be safe looking at the games on the run-in, but I can't see, this stage of the season, when you're fighting on it, there is no easy points, and and as you say, I can't see where our next point's coming from, in all honesty, but, um, yeah, I mean, the Arsenal game, I I thought it was disappointing, you know, the fact that, just the the fact that we barely created a chance in the game, for me, it wasn't. We didn't show enough fight, and that's that's going to be a theme of what I've got to say in the podcast today. The only chance I can remember was um, when Lukaku had a bit of a, a snapshot, which was a good a good save in the end. And you know, he had a couple of opportunities when the goalie came out and uh, as a sweet in a sweeper role and did well. Aspina, well, Aspina got man of the match from a lot of uh, outlets as well. But you know, he didn't really have much to do, so it's quite strange, yeah, it wasn't, really. It it wasn't a great game all round, was it? And that's, I watched Arsenal that week uh, in the Champions League playing Monaco, and in all honesty, Arsenal looked terrible. It was the way, one of the worst performances I've seen from Arsenal in a long time. So, you know, I didn't think we were playing them at a particularly bad time to catch them either. Um, and it was just, it was just dull. That's what it was. It was dull. Um, and part of me was thinking, you know, well, maybe, you know, we're taking that defeat on the chin. Uh, and obviously going to go all, all guns blazing against Stoke. He, well, yeah, that's what you'd hope. Uh, when we saw the team line up, you know, as I said, we talk about wingers and people wanting to see wingers on the pitch. Uh, we got pretty much uh, quite a settled back four, I suppose. Uh, Garby uh, instead of Baines, but Stones, Jags and Coleman. Howard back in goal. Uh, and then Barry and McCarthy... And would he go with two wingers? No, he put Gibson in and he went with uh, one winger in Aaron Lennon and Naismith behind Lukaku. Or was it? I mean, where was Naismith playing? Was Gibson the man in front and then dropping deep? It, it just... There wasn't much balance to that formation, was there? I think he, he he's reluctant to obviously drop Barry at the moment, but he wants to start putting Gibson in for that little bit of extra creativity. Yeah, to, to me last night, you know, I really struggled to work out what our formation was. We didn't appear to have any real shape. As you say there, you know, Lukaku seemed to be drifting out to the left. Um, Nate Smith was going through the middle. I couldn't tell whether Gibson had been told to sort of stay back and try and you know, work as a defensive midfielder, or whether he was told to get forward, it was just—it was a strange one. Yeah, it's. It... I was surprised. You know, a lot of us have been calling for Lennon to play, um, but I think a lot of people want to try, want to see Lennon and Morales on the pitch at the same time. Um, Morales had clearly been dropped. Uh, whether he just doesn't fancy him, in it, you know, at the moment, whether his head's not in it, I don't know. But um, yeah, it was a strange one for me. You know, I was surprised at the team selection. Uh, and I was surprised uh, by the way we set up. Yeah, it's strange at the moment because people are saying about him not changing the system at all. He is changing the system because he's now playing uh, three 
central defensive midfielders rather than the two. And some people were calling out for us to just play one. We don't need to play two central defensive midfielders against teams like, insert, you know, team you don't think very highly of his name here. Uh, but, you know, he, he said he's, he's gone with three instead. Gibbs, to be fair though, Gibbs, Gibson's not a, a stereotypical defensive midfielder, is he? He's not a McCarthy or a Barry. If you look at him at the last couple of games where he's come on as so where he's you know the big part he's played, uh, he's probably been our best player going forward because he can actually play a forward ball, got a little bit of vision. So um, I think it'd be unfair to to sort of criticise to say we played three out and out defensive midfielders because I don't think that was the case. He's not box-to-box, box, though, is he? Oh, no. The lad can't run. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a tricky one. Uh, uh, I mean, what can you take... Uh, before we talk about the goals and that, what can you take about the way we, the way we did play? Did, uh, I, I, I thought there were very, very slight... Uh, very, 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 very uh, gl- short glimpses of... You know what Coleman and Lennon might be able to come up with, but you know you say about Lukaku drifting over to the left. He kept getting played down there, didn't he? The ball there was no balls for him to run through onto, like in the middle. I think he was trying to play it safe, knocking it down the wing, forcing him out wide, and then you know he, he stuck out there. He's got no support. He's got to wait for Garber to get up there. I noticed when Garber did get up there, the play was very tight. You know, when he was he was sent down the wing a few times by Lukaku, who was about five yards away, and then who's he playing it in the box to? No one, because Lukaku stood next to him. Well, this is the problem with that shape. I mean, in all honesty, you know, in the first half, up until before they scored, they had Stoke had a, like a little period of sustained pressure for about five minutes. Up until that point, I thought it was quite an open game. I actually was. I was doing a bit of a running commentary on our Facebook page and I think at one point I put, you know, we are getting the ball forward much quicker than we have been in, in, in recent history and it's allowing for a much more open game. We weren't allowing Stoke just to get sort of two banks of four in. and We were launching long balls up over the top, letting Lukaku run onto them. A lot of the time, as you say, they were out towards the left and he was going wide and then we had no one in the middle. But for me, it was... It was a little bit different. It did change it up a little bit. It did allow us to to attack to a certain extent. The problem I was having with it was that none of the players seemed to have the ability, one, to control the ball, or two, to find another Everton shirt. It just appeared like the system was completely alien to them. They never played in the same team as each other. And as you say, the, the one thing that sort of did catch the eye a little bit was there was... A couple, maybe two or three little link-ups on that right-hand side between Lennon and Coleman, uh, which looked like it may have some sort of promise, but it just didn't seem to get us anywhere. No, uh, I mean when there was there was a few times when Sheamus got in behind, and you know he, he he had to play a ball five or six yards, and maybe last season he would have done a little bit better. You know, and we need to take those chances away from home. And on chilly nights in, in in Stoke, on a Wednesday night, we need to t- make more of those opportunities where we have a half chance to get forward. We need to start making more of those, but they were very, very few and far between, weren't they? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm rocking my brains trying to think of, you know, a shot on target even in the first half. I think Gibson had some sort of forward pass that maybe could have been a semi-shot that was sort of half-fast and that the keeper rolled into the keeper's hands, basically. Um, I can't really think of a chance in the first half other than that. Uh, I did like, you know, when we did, we forced a couple of corners, I think Garbutt's corners into the box appear to be much more dangerous uh, than the likes of Baines or Morales or Barkley or people who've been taking them previously this season. Uh, however, all our former players look completely clueless as to how to get onto the end of a corner. Um, we just don't really do crossing and scoring from crosses, do we? No, and you know, last season, season before, we we scored from the most crosses, uh, more crosses than any other team, and that just seems to be missing from our game at the moment, like all season. So yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Um, and then obviously, as I said, you know, our lack of ability to create anything um, sort of led to a bit of a stalemate. Uh, and then towards the end of the first half, Stoke started to pile a bit of pressure on the goal, uh, kept a bit of possession, uh, which led to a throw out, out on the, a throw in out on the right wing. Um, simple throw in, something that again we're not capable of doing. Uh, found a Stoke player. We had time to get his head up, put a cross into the box, um, and once again, you know. Terrible defending from a cross, ter- like a, a set piece type situation, uh, and the, one of the smallest players on the pitch, uh, Victor Moses, is there to with a free header, great header from the lad, got up well, uh, put it right in the top corner, left Tim Howard stranded on, on a one nil down to a soft goal. Yeah, well, one nil down, and then what? What are you, what are you thinking? You thinking? Oh, great! You know, you know. W- there's no way we're going to score two goals. Can we claw one goal back and, and you know, at least salvage a point? Um, and that's, you know, going into half-time. I mean, I, I was, wasn't was very optimistic about even scraping a point there. And I don't think many no, of the were. I've got to be honest, as soon as they scored that first goal and the way it had been going, uh, you know, the only question we had then was, is this going to finish 2-0, 3-0 or more? Yeah, and you know that's Stoke away. That's you know how how the tides have turned a little. Uh, you know since last season, it's just it's amazing. It, it's an amazing turnaround. But we go into the second half, one nil down, and a, mo- a lot more of the same. You know, you really need somebody with big balls to just say, right, this isn't working. I'm going to change it right now at half-time because it wasn't working. It wasn't working before, after half hour. Go on. Before we start to talk about Martinez, because I know it's probably going to be a big section of the podcast, I'm going to try and avoid talking about Martinez while we do the match recap um, and concentrate more on the players. You said there we need balls. The first player I'm going to highlight is Phil Jagielka. As far as he goes as a captain, I don't see... Why? What he does as a captain, I, I can't recall Phil Jagielka ever having a go at the players on the pitch, ever shouting, ever trying to jeep people up. He just doesn't seem to have that about him. What, what does he do as a captain? 
Well, he used to be. When he was first made club captain, it was because he was like that John Terry type defender. He'd throw anything in front of the ball. If he was lying on the deck and, some, and you know, Roberto Carlos was taking a 20-yard run up to, to take a free kick, he'd throw his head in front of the ball. He was that desperate to, to make the save. Was that desperate. Now... None of them are that desperate. I don't. I don't think you know. So that commitment is what made him captain, but that's not been there this season. He isn't showing that that uh, that need to be in front of the ball or to make those last ditch, ditch uh, tackles or get his head on the ball, uh, and, you know, to knock it out for a corner or whatever at all costs. He's he's not doing that this season. That's what made him captain, and that's why a lot of people are asking these questions because a lot of captains will shout. You know, and you know, baller players like Phil Neville did, even through his lack of, you know, lack of talent or whatever. He still, he, he still cheats players up. You know, at the, you know, the, the the start of the game, throughout the game, he tell people if they're doing the wrong. You know, what do you get from Jags? You get a little bit of a pat on the ass for Tim Howard if he if he saves the ball or catches the ball. That's it. And um, you know, he he needs to start stepping up and do the captain's job. I, I think that lack of leadership um, as well is, is affecting John Stones because, you know, John Stones still a young lad. Uh, we all know he's talented. Sometimes he gets caught woefully out of position. You know, sometimes he just maybe... I think he needs somebody to tell him what he should be doing. Uh, and you'd be wanting Jackie Elka to do that. But, you know, we sit right right near the front of the Gladys Street. We can hear players shouting at each other when, when they're defending in front of us. And you never hear Jack Elko do that, do you? you not, just never not anymore, hear him no. Sort of you used to. Giving Stones a hand or, you know, even like Sir Luke Garbutt, the lad's just broken into the first team. I don't see Jack Elko giving him instruction. Um, and it's just, you know, you'd be looking to, to, to Seamus, who's got experience in the first team now, and to Jack Elko to, to have a word with these players. But that just, that just doesn't seem to happen. No, you're right. So... Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's kind of shirking responsibility and someone like, you know, Gareth Barry is, should be having a go as well. But Gareth Barry, I, I mean, when do you see him even open his mouth? You know, he's one of he's the most experienced player we have on the pitch. And you'd never see him say a word, do you? Again, he seems too nice. He just seems like a bit of a quiet, like, nice bloke uh, who just likes to get yellow cards and that's, that's his input to the game at the moment. Um it's 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 bizarre. We we don't seem to have a natural leader in any position. I think Jags um, is Jags is though. He's just he's. I think he's just lost in the mix at the moment. Well, I think. Oh, I think he is. because you said there, you know, he used to throw his head in the way like John Terry did. Yeah, John Terry does that. But John Terry, you see John Terry bollocking people. John Terry is mouthy. We all know that. It's he's mouthy to the point of it gets him in trouble sometimes. Jackie Elkhead is just. Seems quiet. He's just a quiet bloke. Well, I I don't know. I mean, maybe he did last season. We're looking looking back with not rose tinted. We're looking back at it, and maybe we kind of we're doing a bit him a bit of disservice by not remembering like the captain that he was. Or maybe I'm just thinking he was a good captain because. But but this season, you know, we look back at the World Cup and blame the World Cup for the way he started this season. Maybe he just hasn't recovered. He hasn't got confidence in himself enough to have a go with the players. I don't know. 
you know, at the end of the day, I think he he had he was a good partnership with Distan. He had a good understanding with Distan, uh, and now Distan's not there anymore. But he had a good. Uh, but yeah. he is there. But but we don't know where he is. He's playing in the reserves or something. You know, he's not obviously even getting on the bench most of the time. Um. So, you know, to me that that's disappointing. But I wanted to single him out because the game last night showed. We haven't got anyone on the pitch that can get a grip of, of the players and, and change the game, as you said. And even at, you showed frustration there at the fact that we went one behind and nothing changed. No, I know, and that's you know, it's uh, you, you see players start to warm up, and then you think he's going to make a change. He's going to make a change, and these changes when when when. When do they come? When should they come? They, they should come. If it's not working, they should come straight away. You know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes into the second half to try and... And then it gives us 20 minutes to try and chase a goal. It's just... It's frustrating. I've, I've, got, no, I've got no real problem with, you know, sending a team out in the second half and giving them 10, 15 minutes to see whether, you know, it just clicks for them after the break. Because sometimes, you know, that can happen. We've all seen games before where it's been like a game of two halves. You've been terrible in the first half, but something's just, you know, gone off in the head to the half-time and they've come out and have been a completely different side. Um, so I've got no real problem with them given 10, 15 minutes. Um, but I think by the time, you know, we were looking at bringing substitutes on, Everybody who I could say out saying, let's give Morales a run, let's try and get some pace, let's get an injection of, you know, excitement, Barkley, Morales. Um, and when he did make the substitution, uh, it was Osman and Kone that came on. Yeah, and, you know, probably not people's first choices who to come on, but they came on and they immediately had an impact, didn't they? They immediately had, well, a slight impact. Started to get involved in the game. Started to hold the ball up better. Started to get in, in around the Stoke box, which we weren't doing at all. Um, had, a, had a decent effort on goal. A couple of half chances. Um, but, you know, if that change was made sooner, would they have had more of an input on the game? Would, would he have then been able to have a little bit longer to assess and then look at Morales to, to, you know, for that final push, not with seven minutes to go? But the, the problem I had is even when they came on, we still didn't look like scoring. Okay, it looked a little bit tidier, maybe you know, with the the, the invention of Osman. But it it's we, it's still we still weren't threatening. I remember in the second half, you know, Lukaku broke through and pulled one wide at the far post. And again, I can't really remember too many great chances other than that. Uh, and obviously, as anyone listening to this knows, um, Stoke did put another one away with um, Marm Diouf. Um, what a shocker that was. You know, that ball, the ball back from Lukaku, the miscontrol, yeah, fair enough, that was shite. But we should have enough about us to still deal with that ball. That ball came a long way uh, when they attacked us. Uh, and it was Arnautovic who, was run, who ended up running through and having a, having a shot. You know, when the, when the, when the lad was played, I can't remember, was, was it uh, Duf who, who laid him in with a, mis, a bit of miscontrol? Arnautovic went through, put the ball across Howard, 
off the inside of the post. None of our players reacted at all. And, you know, their lads following it in for a tapping. It's just shocking. That that was sh- shocking from start to finish, that goal. You know, these... The, you look at these players who were scoring against us. Um, I, I, I wonder how many headed goals Victor Moses has scored in his career. I bet you it's not in double figures. And uh, Mam De Youth is not exactly Mr. Prolific, is he? So, I mean, these aren't world-class players that we're conceding to. Um, it's just poor in every aspect of the pitch. I was thinking I was thinking when uh, when Moses was on, and, you know, we, we we laughed a little bit during the World Cup when there was that advert, and it was Wayne Rooney and Messi and Ronaldo. What, what, I can't remember what, what, the, what the brand was that they were... And then... You know, they were the stars of the advert, and then Victor Moses pops up with a slide tackle, and you're like, what's he doing there? And then, last night, we made him look like Messi and Ronaldo and Rooney. He looked like a superstar, a worldie, the way he was doing all stepovers and everything, and we were too scared to get in on Victor Moses. What is that all about? Victor Moses basically defended better than that game. Than any of our defenders did. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that says a lot. Um, so you know that that second goal very late on, uh, you know Morales was on, um, you know had a chance. We had a couple of opportunities from free kicks, one which uh, Begovic put round the post um, from Garby, you know one which Morales blazed high and wide when you need him to step up and you know. And perform, and you know a lot of blues want him in. He should take opportunities, or you know, do better with opportunities like that if he's wanting to prove something. But is he wanting to prove anything? I think he's set on getting a move away from Everton, regardless of how he performs between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Evertonians think that Morales is our best player, um, and you know. Me and you have championed them over the last two seasons. You know, we picked them to be our player of the season at various times. Um, but in any way, so there's got to be a reason why he's not getting picked because he previously has been picked week in week out. So it must just be that he, he his heart's just not in it. Maybe you know, since all this talk about possibly going, um, he just doesn't seem to be. You know, an Everton player at the minute. No, to me, we know he's capable. He probably is one of the. Uh... Right, sorry, folks, we lost track a little bit there. Uh, we, we were still talking about Morales. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely capable, isn't he? And he's one of the better players at the club. Probably ability-wise, he's got to be up there in the top two or three players in the club, isn't he? Um, but as you say, his head's not in it. He's had his head turned, maybe, maybe his agent in his ear, maybe other people in in his ear. And I don't think he's going to be an Everton player for much longer. No, in his own head, he's clearly just too good for us and too good for this relegation fight. I think that that's the vibe I'm getting. Um, and again, you know, you'd expect somebody to get a grip of him and to say, you know, while you're at this club, you fight for this club. Um, but nobody seems to be doing that so uh, yeah there you go uh, the great saviour Morales couldn't 
do anything when he came on. Um, and in all honesty, after the final whistle went, um, apart from feeling utterly dejected, um, you know, the only people I felt sorry for were the, the 2,900 travelling blue supporters that, that went over to Stoke after the, probably the majority of them have been working in the day and they were working the next day early in the morning. Uh, they make that trip over to Stoke and they get treated to that. Yeah, but just what a disregard for the fans, I think it is. Uh, the, the, the amount of effort that was put in. And then, you know, last night was one of those funny ones where it, it felt like something was going to happen around the club. Um, and regarding someone who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I was constantly on Sky Sports News, uh, refreshing on the app as well, seeing if there was any news coming out. And then we got our manager's statement, you know, his, uh, his, his thoughts on the game. And again, it was like another, yet another, after that performance, another slap in the face for those 2,900 fans and also for every Everton fan who, uh, who's who been following the Blues and been behind the Blues for over the, you know, the many years. You know, I think it's time to talk about it. Well, at least he didn't say the word phenomenal. I mean, yeah, that's that's one positive we can take out of the game, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the comments that Roberto made after the game, he basically said that, you know, uh, it wasn't a good performance, however, he thinks this is down to the players being tired. Um, you know, OK, we played Sunday um, and we played the Thursday previously, but <laughs> in all honesty, you know, why would that make them tired? You, you've only got to look at them idiots over the park and, and they went out and played in the Europa League and then played Man City a few days later and, and, and beat them. So I don't really get this whole tired excuse. I don't uh, doubt. Oh, sorry, I, I don't doubt that they were tired because they looked knackered. But if they look knackered, they shouldn't be in the team. You know, take them out. <laughs> you know, it's 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 easy as that, isn't it? Replace them if they're not if they're too tired to play, which I think they were. But they need to, you know, they need to find an extra bit of. Uh, bit of life because you know when I'm tired in work and I'm 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 drifting and I'm thinking five o'clock is ages away you just have to you have to suck it up and get through it don't you and that's they, they didn't seem to do that you know they're not doing the jobs they're just coasting and thinking well I can't be asked you know this is good think, enough yeah I mean you know I think what we've all wanted for a long time was for somebody to come out and say the performance wasn't good enough and you know heads are going to roll and uh, there's going to be serious words out but you know it just refuses to to acknowledge that you know it's it just I don't understand what it is I, I don't know if it's him being ignorant of it or sticking to his own guns and um, being stubborn but you know it's just really annoying and it's not just me I'm seeing thousands of Everton fans say the same thing all over social media. There was that piece Greg O'Keefe wrote in the Echo, uh, which said about the power of positivity and judge Roberto on what you see and not what you hear, because all this stuff that he's saying, 
it's not necessarily uh, a reflection on the performances or anything. He's saying it to try and put a positive spin on and hoping that the positivity will ring through and the players will come through and, and you know... I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've heard this kind of thing before. It's called the law of attraction. If you if you if you talk if you talk it, you'll be it. And if you think it, you'll be it. But it's not working. He's talking it, and it's alienating uh, even the most staunch of, of 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 his own supporters. You know, how many times did we hear at the weekend? Don't be daft. You can't sack. You can't sack him. How many times did we hear that on Sunday after the Arsenal game? And then look back, how many times did you hear it last night? How, how many? I think everybody was uh, I'd lost lost uh, lost uh, all patience with them last night. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been one of these people who I've been defending them. I've been saying I don't think we should sack them, you know. And last night was was just a turning point for me. I'm, I am now in the Get Martinez out camp I, and it's something that you know, I find it hard to say, in all honesty, because me and you, we both have a similar outlook on these things. We've always been positive. We've always been about, you know, the club ethos and supporting anyone who's in the Everton camp and trying not to get on their backs, giving them the time. We were never after Moise's uh, head at any point. We've never been after Bill Wright's head, uh, and we've always supported players who haven't particularly, you know, played well at times. Um, but for me, it's not the fact that we're losing games because we're in the Premier League and nobody has a God-given right to beat any other team in this league. That's what we love about it. You know, we can go to Stoke, we can get beat. It's just this infuriating inability to do anything about it. It seems at times like he just buries his head in the sand and he doesn't want to do anything about it. He won't acknowledge we're in trouble. And that is what has done it for me. Well, I'm going to play the opposite card here. I don't think we should sack him, but... Like going back to the other using other jobs as an example, if you've got to hire up in your other job, say you're the manager, if you've got a line manager or you know head of department or whatever who's above you, for example, we've got a board and a chairman. Before you sack someone, you try and get them to do the job better, don't you? You start putting pressure on them. To make some changes for the good of the club or the, the the company or whatever, so you know, I mean, and that that's when you're starting to question somebody's integrity as a manager. But it needs to be done. You can't, you know, you can't keep on saying all this stuff about positivity and release all these, all this spout all this stuff in the press about having this. Barcelona ethos about passing, passing, passing. In what light, in you know, what planet can you compare us to Barcelona? <laughs> you know, I think I think all that stuff's irrelevant now. Anyway, it doesn't matter how we play. We need points. I don't care if in the next ten games 
we don't string a single pass together. If we win all them games 1-0 from some long ball that bounces off the back of Lukaku's head, I'm down with that all day. It's not about ethoses or philosophies or styles of play anymore. It's about fighting. And that's what I don't think Roberto Martinez realises. And that's why I think we need to get him gone before we go down. Because that is a realistic possibility. But don't you think Ken Wright should be saying to him what exactly what you've just said? It's not about your principles. You know, it's all well and good having those principles when we're you know starting off the season with a clean slate and we've got you know twenty eight million man up, uh, pound man up front and you know everyone's on a high. But when we're in a dogfight, put that ethos to one side, roll your sleeves up like the rest of the everyone else involved with this football club, and let's pull together and fight our way out. Shouldn't the chairman be saying stuff like that? Before- I don't think Ken Wright's like that, though, is he? I mean, if I've got one criticism of Ken Wright, I think, again, he's another nice man. He's a, this, is the, this is the problem, I think, that runs down the spine of our club in the fact that everyone's a bit too nice. Ken Wright's nice. I think when Moyes was there, Moyes had something about him where Moyes could be, you know, not nice. Moyes could be spiteful. Could, could say things, could have a go at people. And I think Moyes had a lot of control and, and he ruled with a, a bit of a, an iron rod. And, you know, he had that about him where he could scare players into doing what he wanted or he could fight. I don't think there's anybody there like that now, right the way through the club. And that's what worries me. You know, I'm sick to death of hearing people say, we won't get relegated because there's much worse sides than us in that league. I'll have that on paper. Leicester's squad is worse than ours. Burnley's squad's worse than ours. Aston Villa's squad's worse than ours. But you know what? All them teams, we are always knew they'd probably be in the lower half of the league and they've been geared up to fight all season and see it through to the bitter end. Uh, we never dreamt we'd be in this position and we're not geared up for the fight in no way. So, right, we're going to win. I'm telling you now, we're going to win two or three games before now and the end of the season. What games? Tell me what no, games. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I, don't, I can't tell you what games because I don't know, you don't know what Everton you're going to get. But we're not going to go between now and the end of the season not winning two or three games. It's not going to happen. six games in 28. What makes you think we'll win four and ten? So six games in 28. What's the ratio there? I'm not saying, I didn't say four, I said two or three. Well, that's about six six games in twenty eight, nearly one in five. So, statistically, we'll win two out of ten. No, six six into twenty four, one in four. So, two and three. Uh, it's, I was nearly, t- it's nearly six into thirty, isn't it? it which we're, is one in we're five. Gonna th- we're going to even still. It's easier to win games at the start of a season or in the middle of a season than it is at the end when everyone's fighting for something. You look through them teams, right, OK, we're playing Burnley, we're playing QPR, they're going to be fighting with us. We're playing Sunderland, they're going to be fighting with us. We're playing Man United, they're going to be fighting for the Champions League place. We're playing Southampton, they're fighting for the Champions League place. You know, the list goes on and on. Tottenham, they're going to be fighting for the European or the Champions League place. I can't see where points are coming from in that run. The way we're playing at the minute, I can't see where I can't see what games are coming from. But we're going to get 
another 10 games. Ten- right, we're going to get another 10 points from these 10 games. Because... No well, look at the... If you, if you just look at the... Uh, if you look at the, the form so far... You know, if you start looking at it like that, you know, you might be in a pessimistic situation uh, position at the moment. But if, say, if we got nine, even if we got eight points, two wins, two draws after ten games, isn't inconceivable. And isn't even, you know, it, it's it's quite likely that we will. Talk to you Martinez, you bet in your head in the sand. No, I'm not. Mart- Martinez would, would think that we're going to get 6 out of 10, win 6 out of 10 games. I think this is a pessimistic view on things, thinking that we're only going to win 2 or 3 games out of 10. That's pessimistic. Okay, then, just tell me some games you think we'll win. I think we'll beat Burnley. I think we'll beat QPR. I think we might... Uh, do well against Swansea and or Newcastle and we'll get a, a point Newcastle. Newcastle's our next home game yeah right. me and you were both at St James's Park yeah right what did Newcastle do they counter attacked us with all them fast lads they've got up front right and he ripped us apart and then they know when they come to Goodison they're in one of them positions where you know they could take a point there so they'll sit back We'll have to try and break them down, which we can't do against anyone. And they'll just they'll just catch us on the counter attack for fun. I think that might be a bigger score than it was at St James's Park. Nah, we'll get something against Newcastle. Um, so you know, looking at some of the games, we we might get something against Swansea. We might get something against Southampton. Might. I just don't see what you're basing this on. The fact what that is, what, what have you seen? That's gave you that. It's not what I've. It's not what I've seen. It's like the law of averages. The way we're going with good players, we're not gonna continue to be this bad. We're not. Something's gonna turn. Something's gonna happen. We're, we're not Leicester. We're not QPR, and we're not Burnley. I'm not saying we're gonna suddenly rise up the table. I'm gonna say. If we win two or three games, that means they need to win six or seven games to be above us. That's not going to happen. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is QPR are six points behind us. They've got a game in hand. So if they win their game in hand, they're three points behind us and we've got to play them. If we get lose to them, (laughs) it's not about seven or eight points behind. It can change in a matter of two games and we can be in the bottom three. But you're also talking about whether Villa are going to come good now, whether Sunderland are going to come good now as well. Villa have got that boost of a new manager that always gets you a few points. It got them three points in midweek against West, uh, whoever it was they were playing. Was it West Brom or was it Leicester? But this Derby anyway. Villa are worse than us. On paper they are. No. On current form. What right? What's our current form? In the league, atrocious. What is it though? How many times have we been beat in the last uh, ten games? We've got the lowest number of league points in at this point of the season than nineteen since nineteen twenty six. We've got less points in the league than we did in nineteen ninety eight at this point of the season, and you're defending our league form. No. I'm not defending our league form. You're saying it's absolutely atrocious, and I'm saying it, it's. But have we? It's the worst ever. But how many times you're saying we've been beaten? We're just on a non-stop. Let's you know we're just getting hammered all over the show. We're not. We got beat last night. We got beat against Arsenal. When was the last time we got beat before that? 
Chelsea. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm forgetting that magnificent draw against Leicester. I, I do apologise. No, but we're not getting. We're not just getting our asses handed to all the time. That's not That's the, the case. Worrying thing. We're not getting battered by great sides, but we're getting beat week in, week out. We're not. Or we're getting odd points against sides that we should be beating and scrapping against. Yeah, odd points, odd points, which are ultimately going to see us okay. I'm not saying we're going to storm up the table, but we're not going to get relegated. You know, those teams are worse than us. Villa are worse than us. This this attitude is what's going to get us relegated. No, it's not. No, this attitude is is, is irrelevant. And you, the attitude that's saying we're going to get relegated, it's irrelevant. It's what they do on the pitch is what is what is going to make us either relegated or not relegated. But Villa are worse than us. When was the last time they won a game before that one at the weekend, uh, midweek? Well, they barely scored all season. But it goes to show, doesn't it? There's a team there that I think have scored 18 goals all season. And what are we, two points ahead of them or something? Three points ahead of them? Ahead of them. Ahead of them. Only just. Anyway, we're we're clearly not going to agree on this, are we? Um, For me, as I was saying before, I think Europa League or not Europa League, and I'm going to be ultimately pessimistic here because I think we get knocked out by Kiev in the next round. Um, but for me, that's the only thing saving Martinez at the minute. Um, I think by the time, in three weeks' time, when we get beat by Kiev, uh, there'll only be seven games left then and it'll be too late to, to get shut. If it was me, i get shut now. The only question I'd have is, who would we get in to replace him? And I rack my brains and I can't think of anyone. We missed the boat on Tony Pulis as far as I'm concerned. I think if, um, if he goes... Which you know he might well do because with this eight-game gap where they've got a nice little break, a nice little holiday, which he told us all about, which he's gonna, which he rubbed in all of our faces last night because they're tired and they need this little break. Um, I think if if he goes, it's, it's going to be you know the weekends and what about Joe Ro- Joe Royal for the remainder of the season and try and scrape that dogs at war mentality back out of some players, get them fighting, leave our luxury players to one side, right off this season, and uh, start afresh with, without some of the fancy uh, fancy dance next season, and um, cut our losses on a few players. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like the idea of somebody coming in, you know, who knows what it means to play for Everton, passionate about the club, a Joe Royal, a Peter Reid. Maybe with a Duncan alongside them. I'm not saying give the job to Duncan, uh, but certainly have him there or thereabouts. Um, that's what I think. That, I think that would be the only option you could have at the minute. I don't think bringing a louder up in at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. He's not built for the dog fight. Lauren Blanc. You know? Lauren Blanc. What the yeah. hell? What the hell? Eight to one to be Ever- next Everton manager. Lauren Blanc. To me, if, if Martinez was to go. Tomorrow, you want you want a Pulis. Obviously, we're not going to get him because he's only just gone to West Brom. Or you want to, you know, I, I, don't, I can't believe I'm even going to say this, but you want an Allardyce type, don't you? you? You want someone who's got experience of being in that dogfight because just to none sort of our out. squad, none of our squad, none of and it, you know, <laughs> you know what the most bizarre thing of this whole situation is there's one person at our club. He's got experience of being in that dogfight. And that's Roberto. 
Right, you're going a little bit uh, Linda Blair and Exorcist at the moment, um, so I think it's uh, it's probably time to call it a day on the podcast. It's getting a, we we could talk until the blue in the face on this because that's what we're doing. You know, I I don't think he's going to go. Uh, I, I think the, if if we don't get anything from that Newcastle game. Uh, you know, then it, there's going to be a different conversation. Uh, Burnley, w- depending on how Burnley and QPR do, you know, the fans are baying for blood at the moment, aren't they? So, I know you don't like to predict, but I just, a yes or no, just a gut feeling without overanalyzing. That's predicted. <laughs> do you think we stand a good chance of going through against Kiev? Yes, I do think we stand a good chance of going through against Kiev. Okay, I don't. Okay, do you think we'll beat Newcastle at home? You know, I don't like to predict, but I'm going to stick my neck out and say yes, I do. Right. Okay. Out of those games at the moment, you know, which one would you focus on? Would you would you put out your strongest team against Kiev on the Thursday? or your strongest team against Newcastle on a Sunday, or would you run the risk of putting out another tired team and playing your strongest team in, in both or all three games across the two weeks? I think, luckily, we've got the luxury of having this eight games, so we can go in with a full-strength side and then still rotate enough at Newcastle, uh, in the Newcastle game. You know, you can put Barry in as much as people want him out against Kiev, but he's got he's got to sit out the Newcastle game anyway. So... The word rotate to me, though, means you're not playing your best 11 in either game. You're rotating, so you're mixing and matching. Do you do you go with your strongest 11 against Kiev, then your strongest 11 against Newcastle, and then your strongest 11 against Kiev? Do you keep the team the same all them three games? Well, you can't because Barry's suspended for the Newcastle game, so he can't play in that one, so you've got to tweak it. Is Barry in our, is our, is Barry in our strongest 11 at the minute? But he's going to play, though, isn't he? He's going to play against Kiev. So, you know, I mean, it's hypothetical. I'd play Lukaku in all three games. I think he'll do well against Newcastle, and if he has some space against Kiev, he'll do well. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I like the way Kone is doing at the moment, so... So what, you play Kone in Europe, or you play Kone in the league? To me... You know, I'm asking you this because... Well, Kone got a goal. Again, we're burying our head in the sand in the league. Nothing is more important than staying up in this league. For me, you play your strongest team in the league, and if that means playing playing a weakened side in Europa and biting a bullet and getting knocked out, that's what we've got to do. He's not going to do that. I'm saying he's not going to do that. We're going to... And that's that's why he shouldn't be here now. That's why he's wrong for the job. Okay, but if if he gets a trophy and we stay up, 
then he's done a good job, hasn't he? But what happens if he gets beaten in Europe and then he goes down? Then he's done a bad job. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we agree on that. Okay. Right. Anyway, breaking up again. Um, so our half an hour has gone into a, a, about an hour <laughs> over a, a, a variety of calls. Um, but you know, it's the way a lot of Evertonians are thinking at the moment, and you know, I, I think we, even though we disagreed on, you know, the manner of things, we're towards the the more reasonable on the spectrum of Evertonians, aren't we? Because as I said. There are blues that are baying for blood, and I, I think I, I never like to see that. You know, you, you, all you like Spanish prick and all that kind of stuff. I hate seeing that. He's still our oh, manager. He, he's still he's our, our manager. manager. He doesn't deserve to be insulted or called named or abused. You know, I'm sure in his own head he thinks he's doing the best job he possibly can. Um, but you know, Everton. We, we put money into the club, we, you know, we, we buy tickets, we buy merchandise, we support the club. We do have a right to have an opinion and we do have a right to have a say. And, um, you know, I've always supported them, but I've changed my mind. And, and for the first time ever, well, for, for the first time in a long time, I find myself wanting somebody else in our club. Right, fair enough. Okay, well... We'd best leave it there anyway. Uh, thanks for listening, Blues, on SoundCloud, iTunes, etc. If you are listening on SoundCloud and have an Apple device, go and subscribe to us on the iTunes store. We are going to do our best to have this weekly podcast back in place for Thursday midnight stroke Friday mornings-ish. Uh, so, yeah, get on it. Any last words, Mark? Come on, we need to band together, whether we're pro-Roberto or anti-Roberto, uh, we're all pro-Evan. Yeah. So, we, you know, we need to try and get behind the team as much as we can, and the team in return need to show us a bit of fight uh, towards the end of the season. Ideally, we can finish, you know, comfortably in the, in the league, uh, and we can win a Europa, but uh, it doesn't look that way at the minute, so... Uh, we need a resurgence in blue fortune, so let's all get behind the team as much as we can and come on, blues. Yep, yeah, come on, you blues. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC.